Hi, Michael. Welcome to Web3 Digital Marketing Entrepreneurship Podcast. So great to have you here at Metaverse Architects. So it will be uh, so great to hear from you. I mean, you know, how you got into this field and something you talked about 300 miles, you know, creating and stuff. It will be so interesting to hear everything about that as well. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invite and uh, I'd like to share hopefully something that can help people uh, looking to get into this space or just learn more about what it's like to be a metaverse uh, designer. That's great. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would ask definitely this question, you know, what is actually a metaverse designer? I mean, uh, there's a major question that's coming after this that who is building the metaverse? You know, I think that's a major misconception people is having. So would you care to comment on that? Uh, well, sure. Maybe I should just start by saying that, you know, my background is in architecture. So I have a degree in architecture and uh, the company that I own, uh, that I'm the CEO of, has, a, a, I think, 15 people with 3D experience. And I want to say we have another architect, a couple of interior designers, an industrial designer. Maybe we have three or four interior designers. So we have uh, people with design background, and that does assist a lot. We don't approach this necessarily from a video game perspective. We approach it more from we're 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 creating, you know, uh, designing and creating experiences um, in the in the metaverse. And there are a lot of different tools out there and a lot of different platforms. So there are there are some people who come straight from the architecture industry, and you know they're probably more used to using them architectural tools, the kind that you would use to build a house or build a building. Uh, and then there are those who come from, you know, uh, it, the metaverse building uh, from a video game industry. And they're yeah. probably more commonly using tools that are better from that space. But but my company's uh, expertise or or background is uh, leans more towards the, the, the real built world, the architectural world. In fact, I was just on a call this morning with someone trying to build, you know, a very large master plan project in, in, um, in Asia. And so you've got a, um, you know, we've got the ability to go that route more than we do, let's say, make an incredible shooter game. Hmm. Got it, got it. And, you know, one interesting factor I saw is that uh, in your client's case studies and everything, I recently wrote about this McDonald uh, new Luna Eclipse, uh, that new year and stuff. And there's a lot of new section that I took from Google Alerts. And I wrote it on my LinkedIn post. And when I saw those things, like you are the one who built it, I was like, oh my God, it's so great to you know, uh, have that person here. I mean, uh, what is your experience on building these sort of things? I mean, from client perspective or you know, from building perspective? Sure. We did two projects, uh, one in 21 and one in 2022 hmm. uh, for McDonald's with an agency, an agency called IW Group. Sometimes we get approached by a, a marketing agency to assist with the client and we're also working with some some corporations that are just direct relationships. Like we work directly mm. with that client. Um, and, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. But the experience has been great. We, we, we love this because uh, we used to come from a world where we worked mostly with architects. And as an architecture firm or an engineering firm would have very, very specific, you know, direction and almost basically just tell us nearly exactly what they want. Uh, the corporations tend to leave a little more, a little more, interpretation and allow us and, and actually ask us to say, hey, suggest what you think will work well here, what you know, what what you like or what you've seen that's been successful. So we get to be play a, a bigger role in the creative side and the sort of suggesting suggesting mm-hmm. um, strategies and, and, and concepts and things that we have seen that works well. And we've built a lot of environments now. I'd say 
you know, we're somewhere over 250 environments. And so we've got now the experience to say, listen, we've done that type of thing before. Keep this in mind. You want to do this, this and this. So I'd, I'd say it's, it's, it's quite a bit of fun, honestly. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned in your website, I saw that it's a collective group of 125 years of experience you guys have. And I think it's your 23rd or 24th year uh, in your own company as well, and almost uh, from 2000. I mean, what do you think the major you know, change that happened? I think the concept of metaverse is not pretty new. I mean, uh, for example, GTFI is something that's uh, been around for a lot of years and I think that's more of a metaverse and I really love if they actually create a metaverse of their own I mean that would be like massive the Rockstar games but what have you seen as a change from this last 20 years in this uh, you know space so far well I appreciate you asking that well first of all when I was in architecture school 25 27 years ago um, uh, it was right when computers were, you know, starting to become used a lot more frequently in, in the, the uh, education system, but also in the, in the business world from a vantage point of producing graphics and 3D imagery for, uh, for architecture. But I was always fascinated by the virtual reality side. So I was in using, I bought my first VR headset back in 1996, I think. And um, so, yeah, so we're talking 27 years ago. And what I have watched over the last 27 years with this hardware is it's gotten better and better, but it's incremental. It's not like all of a sudden it just got, you know, significantly better. But what happened was in like 2005, you know, I was totally ready to go and just said, hey, I'm going to show all these architects and developers how amazing virtual reality can be for their projects. And this is 17, yeah, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. And I was too early, but... Yeah. The hardware was incredibly expensive, right? The mm. the headset, everyone talks about, oh, oh my gosh, $2,000 $2, VR headset's ridiculous. Well, I bought a $27,000 VR headset back then. Wow. Um, and in fact, the entire system was around $80,000. To do the tracking, mm. you had to have the rest of the equipment. So, you know, that's what I thought, like, would be acceptable. And I found out after a while that it was too technical, too scientific, and there was just no one ready to kind of bite the bullet on stuff like that. But... I mean, I, I will say, like, the equipment that I had was the same that they had at NASA and the same one that they had at, like, the, you know, the big aerospace companies, uh, Boeing. And, you know, so we were using the same equipment. I was trying to push it for architects and developers, and it was just too early. And then, and then in, you know, like, the early 2012, 15, you know, range, that time frame, that's when, um, you know, the, the, the Oculus Quest uh, uh, was bought by, uh, by Meta, Facebook at the time. And the devices were so much less expensive. And you would think that people would buy into it. But at the time, while the devices were significantly less expensive and they worked well, there was still a little bit more of an improvement that needed to happen from the hardware, just to ease in use. I think the wireless was the answer that we were waiting for. Yeah. But nothing really pushed it uh, until the COVID. Yeah. And COVID was the instigator that really sort of struck the, the match. And uh, we saw a significant interest increase in 2020, and then even more so at the end of 2021 when Meta, so those three things happened at a relatively short period of time. Um, Accenture, a, a large United States yeah. uh, you know, consulting company, announced that they had bought, I want to say, 60,000 VR headsets to do their training and use for their, their company um, in, in, in you know, virtual reality or in the metaverse. Uh, a few, maybe a month later, 
Facebook changed their name to Meta and said, we're going to spend $10 billion a year on our Metaverse plans. And then a few, then a month or so later, Microsoft announced a bid to buy um, uh, uh, All space. Blizzard. Blizzard. No, they, they, they meant to, to buy yeah. Blizzard. And, and that was a huge price. I want to say $68 billion or $58 billion. Mm. And so in 2020, we would get a call for a metaverse environment, a virtual reality environment, maybe uh, once every couple, maybe once every three or four weeks, we'd get a call. And in 2021, we would get a call or like a, an email from someone, let's say twice a week. We would see it more frequently, but it was, a, it was, it was definitely more in 2021. But in 2022, we were getting sometimes 20 calls a day. So mm. it, was, it was just insane. And it was kind of hard to keep track of. And honestly, the challenge was trying to determine, you know, who was who had a legitimate, you know, uh, project and who was just kind of had this. I got an idea for something I think is going to go really well. So that was the challenge we had last year. And I'd, I'd say things have mellowed out a little bit now and it's a little more sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, an interesting point that you mentioned is that from the last 20 years, uh, only in the last like three years or something, you got a major requirements for this VR world. Um, I've seen a lot of lot of articles saying that, you know, will the metaverse fail in 2023? I mean, the one concept people mentioning is that there's a huge difference between meta and the metaverse, right? I mean, meta is basically a company that has a space, kind of like Microsoft, which has a space like Allspace, which I think they recently shut down, uh, you know, kind of like a spatial. So uh, would you get a comment on those people who are writing articles based on that? Because I recently saw this article and I was like, it's a major difference. It's not a company, it's a space uh, out there. So would you get a comment on that? Yeah, I mean, of course, Meta is not the metaverse. Uh, in fact, Meta's, Meta's metaverse solution, if you, if you want to call Horizon Worlds their metaverse solution, um, you know, I teach a class on this at UCLA Extension and, you know, my students, I, I ask them to go on these different platforms and Meta, Metaverse Worlds, uh, or sorry, Horizon Worlds is, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it does, it's, it does what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't reach the promise of what I think we all believe the Metaverse will eventually hold, which is, you know, a, a beautiful experience, something that is not just kind of anyone can create a world, but one where, the, the worlds and the experiences, you know, are transcendent. They go beyond, well beyond what's, um, you know, kind of limited. And uh, I think that this is all going to be, it's all going to work itself out over the next, I don't know, three to three to 10 years, three to 15 yeah. years, whatever. Um, I do, I, I will say last year was kind of the hype was so big that it was challenging because we just had to, we fielded so many calls from people who were just looking at how can I get rich, you know, in the next <laughs> six weeks, by I, you know, we got a lot of people who would propose like I got a concept. If you build it, I don't have any money, but I got a concept. If you build it, we'll, <laughs> we'll share the money. And we had a lot of those calls, a lot of those calls. Um, but I, honestly, I think that the idea that the metaverse is dead is wrong too. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, and you know, you get a lot of different opinions. But I can tell you from the vantage point that I have, and, and this is at least I can't share the details of these conversations, but I will say. We talk with and we work with a lot of corporations, uh, big companies at the highest level, you know, like Fortune, Fortune, not just Fortune 500, but Fortune 5, Fortune 50. And these companies are not going away with this idea. They're not they're not um, looking at the metaverse and saying, nah, we're not going to do that. Instead, they're taking this, uh, I think, uh, appropriate response, which is this is just the beginning. And this uh, this is technology is not fully mature 
but it's not also something that they want to just put on the back burner and say we'll cut, we'll get to it someday. They are saying it's worth it's worth uh, expending a certain amount of time, energy, resources to uh, study, to test, and to prepare for when this becomes a everyday thing. So I think that the analogy that uh, the the internet. If you go back, I, I, I'm old enough that when I, you know, I was in college, my first year of college, the internet was just a black screen with little green yeah. text. Just it was there was there was no there were no pictures. It was literally just little green, you know, little green text, and that's what the internet was. And you could send messages and everything, but you know, it, it was it was it was a good you know six years or so from that point where you're just looking at green text on a on a black screen to um, the world of advertisements and search engines and all of that. So I think that we are in that stage on the metaverse where maybe we're in, you know, year one or year two right now of what will probably be a five to 10 year, you know, maturation of maturization of where the technology gets to where people are using it all the time. And I mean, there is an argument to be made that it's not going to be VR and AR. There's an argument Mm. to be made that it's, you know, it's only going to be web-based and you're still going to be accessing it on your laptop or your phone. I, diff- I, I slightly disagree, though. I, I, I've been to MIT a, a couple times for the hackathons. I've seen what's coming in terms of um, kind of the advanced high-level thinking about where this technology is going to go. And I do believe that while the physics makes AR goggles challenging, we're not that far from having, yeah. devices, from having devices that the average person will be happy to wear. Because instead of staring here, looking at your phone and, you know, where am I going? Oh, no, you know, that kind of situation. Um, having it, having it, you know, in your vision where you need it at any time, parking your, uh, you know, your television wherever you are or yeah. t- taking, you know, t- having instant um, translation features and instant, uh, you know, navigation features, instant telephone features and having your hands free. I think that's going to be a winning solution, but I think that we're still, you know, we're still some years away. It was disappointing. I think I can tell you this, like everyone in the industry that I know who's kind of big on the AR was sort of bummed to hear that, that Apple pushed back their, their yeah, AR. Exactly. I think we all were hoping that they had some kind of, um, uh, you know, they had figured out some of the biggest challenges. They put had so much money. They could certainly come up with the, with the, with the technology and I think physics makes it challenging. I think the heat dissipation, the battery life, the the I'm pretty sure they can get the optics right, but I think there's some challenges with the system to to really make it to make it work. So I think we're still a few years out. Yeah, and you know it would be really um, crazy to have a full mobile phone connected to your glasses. I mean, even a mobile phone is not you know totally found in a stable manner. For example, it can explode anytime. I mean, there are still people who are experiencing that and getting an entire mobile phone on the eyes. Yeah. I don't think it'll be quite like that. I have a pair of glasses from China that I really like. They're actually, I have like 10 pairs. They're called uh, Nreal. And uh, I saw yeah. them at, I saw them at MIT at the hackathon in 2020 when I was really excited about the HoloLens too. And the HoloLens 2 just didn't quite hit, hit it for me as far as like the actual optics because I work with, Know, architects and developers and those kinds of people and they really care that it looks great so yeah. i saw these nreal glasses and i was like they, they work pretty well they look really good and i think that's the solution that um will something in that like that line like a form factor like a pair of glasses you know yeah. that, that that actually have 
probably either a wire that goes to a you know a little some kind i guess the wallet but like you know some type of small uh compute unit that would be in your pocket that you just stick that in your pocket or maybe and this would be better if there's if, if they're talking to each other uh through i don't know which i don't know which communication but some but something where you're getting this that's a lot of data to be transmitted visually Something like that, though. I mean, where the where the processor and the battery and a lot of the um, a lot of the work is being done in a smaller device that you put in your pocket, and then your glasses are are talking to it. And it's probably not an always on situation. It's probably like you know you you tell it when you want, or you it knows, and you're in a certain zone to turn on. But most of the time, it's not. I think I think that could work. I, I hope it will work. I don't know for sure, but I think it will. Exactly, and you know the one point you mentioned is that uh, you know as a marketer myself, I think it would be so great that marketers can get a lot of data. For example, if you wear VR goggles and then you know they can just track all of your eye movements and everything, right? Just imagine they see we see an ad and then it instigates an emotion in us and we are smiling and they will be like, okay, this is an ad that makes them smile for this many seconds. <laughs> Retarget them again and again. I mean that will be crazy data that I mean they just haven't read our minds. But everything else, I think that's the only point uh, that you know. It's still a backlash for that. We're still, yeah, we still have some development of this technology that has to happen mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Great. So, uh, just to follow up on one thing is that uh, you mentioned you about a lot of industries. Uh, which industry do you think has uh, had more impact in this metaverse, as far as your experience? You know, I think they're at different stages. I think some company, uh, some industries are ready to use it right now. Industrial, I think, has applications right now. I think real estate has applications that you can say work right now. And in the other, there are others, however, that um, I think that their potential is huge, but it's down the road. It gets years away. Um, I think that retail and uh, you know, just basically commerce will become uh, very uh, dependent. Or yeah, definitely, it'll be one of the legs that they stand on. You know, just think about it. Like if you go right now to order a. a I don't know, whatever, you go to Amazon or you go to a website, you're going to be looking at a two-dimensional screen. You're going to scroll through and read the reviews and then decide to buy it. But there's going to be some advantages to using the metaverse to that. If, if I'm going to be, uh, let's say, looking at, at furniture, it should be nice to be able to walk around the furniture and see it from all sides. It might be a situation where I'm looking to, I, I know, for example, like my wife and I are going to go on a, on a vacation and I'm looking at hotel rooms and I'd sure like to look around that room. I'd like to walk around that room and see what I'm really getting. Instead, they just have photographs of like the pillows and you know the coffee maker. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know it has that, but I really want to see more than just the pillows and the coffee maker. I want to walk through the space. So I think that the hospitality is a, is, a, is an industry that we're going to see. Um, and you know, we used to do a lot of work for Marriott and produce uh, 3D floor plans for them mm -hmm. and just do it like a layout. But th and that's fine, but it, that's still a two-dimensional thing. You go to the screen, you see a picture. What, what I think we'll eventually see is you're going to go to the, the website and you're going to walk around and see inside. And, and that takes time. That's, a, that, yeah. that, that, that's not something that you can just bring in a scanner necessarily and do. That's the kind of thing that, you know, requires a, some manual work, some time and some, some talent. So, um, yeah, I think. But I, I would say I, I wouldn't say every single industry, <laughs> but I have talked yeah. to a lot. And I even the ones that you think, well, they don't have a reason for a metaverse. Some some of them are still looking for solutions. We, you know, some of them are still saying, no, we need a we need a metaverse for a funeral home. We need a metaverse for, um, you know, you know, a fan company, or we need a metaverse for, uh, you know, uh, 
dentistry. So you're, you're going to see all of these different industries, I think, that are going to have um, this. But it's still early, and mm. there's going to be plenty of, I hate to say it, but there'll be plenty of losing propositions um, uh, on the way to getting a lot of, a lot of winning propositions. Understood. And I think just to add to that, I think healthcare has been a major, uh, you know, place here. But I think healthcare has been doing that for a really long time. But recently, only with the introduction of the term metaverse and everything, the people have actually been exploring in the healthcare space. Anyone contact you regarding the healthcare space? I've been reading a lot of blogs on that. That's why. I think. You know, not well, we, we, we are working with a we've got a kind of a partner company that we've been working with. And I advise a little bit um, that's doing uh, some work on cancer therapy. But we got our kind of one of our early our early opportunities came from uh, the healthcare sector when we were back in I would say it was 2000 and I think it was 2017 2018 so five years ago where a hospital group uh, asked us to create an augmented reality tour of a new addition a healthcare um, uh, hospital and then we built interior rooms for them for the doctors to look at the patient rooms and then give guidance and feedback as mm. to where you know if, if if anything needed to be moved or if there were any kind of so they were looking at it as a digital twin to uh, uh augment this this uh which was at the time they would usually build a physical they'd build a physical copy of what the patient was going to look like before they build 500 of them they'd build one but the the digital copy allowed them to get there a little faster and walk around and have the doctors and nurses actually experience it so i mean not but we we, we get a lot more from uh, these days from enterprise level from uh, mm. fortune 500 companies that um, we because we've been building on so many different platforms and because we've been doing this for so long. And I think the, 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 the hundreds of years of experience in 3d and in, in design and everything, uh, the corporations we do work with, I think appreciate our experience and the fact that we're not, we're fairly agnostic, but we do build most of our stuff on spatial and spatial is a platform that we really, really like, but we also build on other platforms, other experiences when the use case calls for it. Uh, can you give a few platforms uh, that you have recently worked on, like Spatial? Yeah, well, like I said, we uh, Spatial, I was really excited about augmented reality in 20, 2016 to 2019 because we had better traction with our clients with augmented reality, with a HoloLens and the Magic Leap than we did with VR back then. And um, so I was really big on that. And, and Spatial is a platform that, initially came out on stage with uh, Microsoft and the HoloLens when HoloLens did their big unveil in Barcelona. I think it was February of 2019. Um, and so I asked to be on their beta tester group and they allowed me to. So about little about, about three years ago, a little bit longer mm -hmm. than three years ago, I became a beta tester for Spatial. And I've been with them and building on their platform and doing things with them since they've, since they've really been open to the public for, uh, for beta. But uh, their platform has evolved over and over and over again over the last, um, uh, you know, last three years. I mean, multiple times they've made major updates and, and really their platform has totally evolved. When it comes to other platforms, though, we were always building stuff on Altspace, which is now going away. Uh, yeah. And so that was something where, you know, even just a few months ago, someone was like, can you please build this on Altspace? And I'm like, yeah, I can. But, you know, we, we, we don't we don't do as much of it as we used to. Uh, but that that was one of them. But we have, a, we have a lot of partners and uh, companies that we work with and that we're building relationships with. Like after this call, I'm on a call with Journey, 
uh, Journey uh, out of France, J-O-U-R-N-E-E. And they have a really great solution. Uh, there's another one that's similar that has a, you know, an Unreal engine back solution. Mm. And both these companies use PixelStream called Odyssey. We like, we like both of them for different reasons. Um, we're also uh, building a little bit in VR chat. We have uh, experience on Decentraland and Sandbox. Mm. We've done a couple of projects in Decentraland. Um, we are also building on Vatom. We've done mm. some work with Arthur. We uh, Vatom's a pretty interesting tool in that it uh, supports a large number of concurrent users. So you can have 5,000 concurrent users. They have some built-in uh, e-commerce solutions and some built-in uh, mm. solutions for uh, uh, crypto or I should say a, a centralized blockchain. Um, mm. Let me try to keep think here, keep going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes there, I will tell you one thing that we notice right away is that clients typically fall into two categories. They either want the VR or they don't care at VR at all, right? Mm. Um, rarely do we care, we hear someone who says, we really want the VR and the web. It happens, we do get that, but usually they're really excited about the virtual reality. And if that's the case, it sort of divides the the group of companies that you can work with by a pretty good margin. Spatial works in VR, VR chat works in VR, alt space used to be in VR. But a lot of these other ones I just listed, they don't have a VR component. There's mm. no VR solution. We're starting to build on Roblox. Um, we, we get some customers sometimes that say, can you build something for us on Roblox? Um, but it's different. I mean, every platform has its constraints and mm. uh, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of benchmark everything. So we build one experience and put it on, you know, at this point, I think we're around 23, 24 different places we can build on. So we'll yeah. take the same model and we'll put it on every different platform and see, okay, what's it look like here? What's the advantage? What's the disadvantage? How much, how much time does it take? What's the cost? What's the, you know, you know, one of the, one of the things we were lucky on early was that because we built for the HoloLens one, we had we had to have a very low polygon count for that to work. So the, Hol the Hololens one, you really wanted to have everything around a hundred thousand polygons, and keeping it really low like that generally affords you to go to anywhere. Whereas some mm -hmm. platforms will handle more, especially the ones that will run with 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 Unreal, they can handle a million polygons or more. But a lot of the ones that are based on real time high frame rate require yeah. you to have a. Uh, uh, pretty low polygons and even the oculus quest 2 the mm. oculus quest, the oculus quest pro which we have six of them now but the oculus quest pro will support i i can tell i can probably have uh, about a million and a half polygons but the quest 2 is around three hundred thousand polygons so if you're building mm. for the quest 2 you've got to have it pretty constrained in, ter in terms of the optimization of the geometry yeah and I think, you know, the that's a pretty uh, comprehensive list. So thank you so much for saying that. And uh, one of the concepts that I just want to touch upon is uh, there's a lot of my listeners who want to be in this XR or, you know, this VR space. And uh, as you mentioned previously, architecture has been one of the major uh, contributions or, you know, a skill that is required. Do you have any of the skills that people should learn while creating, uh, you know, spaces or, you know, experiences in this space? I just forgot one that I want to mention before I forget, because I mentioned yeah. architecture. One of the very first platforms, well, the very first platform we ever worked with was called WorldViz. And they're very scientific and they're very, 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 uh, you know, they're, they're, their solution is extraordinarily uh, uh, thoughtful and uh, professional at the highest levels. Hmm. Um, 
the other one is the wild we used to work for years before uh, they were acquired by autodesk we were using the wild in 2017 2018 2019 and their their platform is definitely geared towards architecture and they were i think last year or the year before they were acquired by autodesk and mm. we're still working with those guys so that's another platform that we will we build on but um you know, I, I think the one thing that I, I teach this class and I take my class, uh, teach them part of the class in Zoom like this, and then we jump into VR and I find that I'm actually a much better instructor in virtual reality than I am on Zoom because I'm not just staring at a, a screen, but I can actually point to and we can, you know, we can bring up models. I can actually like, you know, gather the two, like a couple nights ago, I gathered my class around a little model that we were building and I explained all the different components and I showed them how it's working. And you feel like you're, they're really there in the space with you. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's cool. But here's what I, here's what I would tell anyone who's listening. The best way to really uh, accelerate your learning in this space is to use a tool that lets you look at your experience, look at your environment quickly. The faster you can look at it and, and see it, the faster you can improve and increase your skills. So use these tools. If you don't have a Quest to go get one. If you want, if you have the extra money and you want to buy, they're now cheaper, a uh, Quest Pro, get one. Yeah. But, but uh, because they are great devices, I mean, the, the $300 or $400 Quest 2 is light years better than the $30,000, $27,000 VR headset I had 15 years ago. But uh, using it as a tool to improve your skills and visualization understanding is really important. And the other thing is do like virtual reality tourism. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is go out there and look at what everyone else is doing. You don't have to copy but be inspired. Just like if you t traveled through, you know, Europe and you looked at the architecture, you'd come back with a better appreciation for architecture. You'd come back with a better understanding of scale and a location and presence and context. So um, look at what other people are doing. Let it inspire you. Let it, and then and then come up with your own ideas. But now you have a better understanding. I'll tell you that my team, my team is right now. I had an idea for a, a project and I brought my team in to virtual reality and we all kind of talked about it a little bit and in here in a little little bit an hour or so i'm going to jump back in with my team and we're going to study a rough model we're going to place it and we're going to talk as a team mm -hmm. in virtual reality and then they're individually going to go back as the artist and the designers and stuff and they're going to be working on components and the interactions and the code and everything so it's a great tool especially across great distances right and if you can't all be in the same room together then it's use virtual reality to increase and, and improve your skills. Got it, got it. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that uh, my audience really love because this creating this VR space, there's a lot of issues. I think graphic wise and, you know, uh, hardware wise, there's a lot of restrictions, but there are some people still, you know, say that you can actually, um, you know, just join through desktop. I tried on spatial. It did not give me, you know, any way at all. And I think more hardware is actually needed even for that as well. So, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty comprehensive. And uh, uh, thanks again for joining. I don't want to take much of your time. I think I know you're running on a busy schedule. Uh, so just one final thing is that uh, right now, table's done. Is there anything else that you want to ask me? Uh, where are you at in the world right now? I'm from India, actually. Yeah, but what uh, town, uh, what city is? North uh, part, yeah, South it's, part? In, it's South India. So uh -huh. in Tamil Nadu, Trichy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now let me ask. Let me ask you. Do you have um, Do you have any friends locally that use VR or that are in the metaverse, or do you do you use Do you use the metaverse in uh, in, in in the way to access to, to 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 experience people in other cultures to go to other places? Because I will tell you that's the neatest part about it to me is I can have a mm -hmm. meeting 
with people from all over the world at the exact same time and have a conversation like this with people from five different countries at the same time. And uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually ordered the MetaQuest since the price gone down. I actually ordered yeah. it. It still have to come. But I think uh, in India right now, the concept of Metaverse, it's not like, it's like very 2%. I think that's yeah. like, that's how it's been going so far. And uh, But actually, we are the first one who uh, had a marriage in the Metaverse. <laughs> like, we are the first guys who conducted a marriage in the Metaverse. So, but, you know, I think it would take some time more than the, you know, European countries and, you know, and the Western culture. But for sure that people want to explore more culture since India is kind of, you know, it's a lot of different cultures here. So, yeah, I think, you, as you mentioned, you need to incline towards more on that. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I have I've given my brother a VR headset. He lives on the other side of the country and my, my brother-in-law and my sons. And, and I've got I've got people scattered around this country and we have the VR headset and it's a way for us to have an experience together. Like you feel much more like you're in the same room than you do when you're looking at, uh, at, at a Zoom call. But I, I will tell you, like, you know, it's still not, I wouldn't know what the percentage is here in the United States. I think probably a larger percent than two have heard of it, but there's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion about whether or not uh, it's, is it because, is it meta? I mean, I, I've had to answer that question hundreds of times where, oh, metaverse, that's meta, right? And it's just, those guys should not have changed their name to meta. I wish they hadn't. But they changed their name to Meta and really confused a lot of people in the process. That um, you know, clearly they're focused on the Metaverse, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it did make a lot of people go, "Well, Metaverse is Meta," and it's it's yeah. obviously not. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, well, thanks, I, for letting me, thanks for letting me come. Definitely, definitely. And if in case people want to find you as services, can you just mention that? I'll definitely put them in the car. Yeah, the best way to reach us is uh, through PolyCount, uh, the website, polycount.io, P-O-L-Y-C-O-U-N-T.io. Um, and, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn too, although I'll be truthful. I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn. Sometimes I get 30, 40 in a day and I go, I uh, can't hit all those today. I'll try to catch it later. So uh, the best way is, is that if you want to find out more about us, you want to connect to us directly, uh, the website has a contact us page. That's the best way to do it. Awesome. So guys, I'll definitely link everything in the description below. You can go and check it out. And uh, again, thanks so much, Michael, for joining. And uh, course, guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much.